Um, so we, I mean, Jared and I, we probably talk about him dying at least once a month. Mm-hmm. And it, it just comes up so casually, like we're driving and it's like, oh yeah, so when you die or, you know, if this happens to you, because I'm a planner and I feel like the more things I have planned, the less likely something bad is going to happen. I feel like things only happen when you're not prepared. Mm. So we know to the extent when he, um, if he gets a SWAT call out in the middle of the night, typically I will make sure I have clothes. I, I'm like, okay, well, I can't go to the hospital in this or, you know, and I, you know, I know what the protocol, what's not going to happen or who's going to show up so that I know things are real and this is not a joke anymore and things like that. So, I mean, those are just plans we live with. That was Amanda Medrano today on the Uncommon People podcast. Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ashley. A few years ago, we set off on a journey to start doing hard things that enrich our marriage, relationship with God, family, and our health. Along the way, we've met a lot of other people who are living intentional, countercultural lives and getting out of their comfort zones. And in each episode of the Uncommon People podcast, we'll discuss parts of our own journey or share inspiring stories from the journeys of others. Thanks for joining us. Welcome, everyone, to the Uncommon People podcast. To our listeners that have been along with us on this journey, thanks for returning. And to our new listeners, welcome to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'm Ashley Davis, and I host this podcast with my husband, Aaron. He's not in this episode today, but I'm interviewing one of our friends. But before we jump into the interview, I do want to ask you to connect with us online through our social media, through our website. All of that will be linked down in the show notes for this episode. And we appreciate any feedback you can provide us, any suggestions of anyone you think would be a worthwhile guest for the show, or any topics you think would be good for us to talk about. We would be happy to receive any suggestions. And of course, if you wouldn't mind giving us a rating or a review on the platform where you get your podcasts. Uh, We really would appreciate that, and the feedback is incredibly helpful to us. Uh, Give us an idea of what the audience is wanting to hear and what content they are appreciating and enjoying. So the guest we have on our show today is a friend of mine that I've known for over 10 years, and she lives in definitely more ways than one, a very uncommon life. Amanda is a children's ministry director at our local church, actually, in San Antonio. She's mom to four-year-old Mila and two-year-old Lincoln. She's been married to Jared for seven years. And even though Jared's not the person in front of the microphone tonight or today, he is going to be a big part of our conversation. Jared has served five years in the U.S. Army, and he toured twice in Iraq. Um, He's been out of the Army for a little while. Yeah, I don't even know how long. A minute. Um, He's a deputy sheriff, law enforcement, peace officer. He's all the things uh, in our local county um, at the sheriff's office, obviously. So thank you for being on the show. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you. Uh, So here are just a a few warm-up questions. So, you know, we don't have to like sweat it through the first. Let's jump into the (laughs) nitty gritty. What does your life look like on most days? On most days, um, my life is pretty typical from anyone who has two small children. I stay home with them. I'm blessed to be able to do that. Um, So most of the days are filled with errands and 
keeping the house running, keeping the kids alive, um, ministry work, and that's mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Our lives are really similar. In a lot of ways, they're pretty similar. Most of the days when I see Amanda, uh, I see her at church because they do go to our local church. And I can find her with, if it's not an actual church service, albeit, with a sonic drink in her hand, <laughs> talking, <laughs> yes, talking to her sister so fast that people with the untrained ear or those that haven't watched Gilmore Girls like at least twice are going to have no idea what's going on. So you just have to jump in there and get in on that action. Uh, so tell me something funny that one of your kids has said recently. Oh man. Your um, kids are funny. So <laughs> they're funny, but not always good. Funny, <laughs> not always repeatable. Funny. Um, we've Mila's, already had a few conversations tonight that it's like just a few. Nobody wants to hear those. Um, Mila's in the phase of making up jokes. So none of them make any sense. And most of them end with poop or something disgusting. So that's probably what takes up most of our conversation time right now. We're working on toning that down. Yeah. Jack told me the other day, like he got out a little, we had a back scratch, back scratcher upstairs that was under the bed and he got it out and he said, we call our, um, device of discipline, whatever you want to call that, whatever your family may call it, the rod of correction. We call it the trainer. And he got it out and he said, I'm going to train you, mom. And he like went to try to pop me with the back scratcher. And I said, oh no, Yaya is my, which is what we call my mom, where the kids call my mom. Yaya is my mommy and she's already trained me. Thank you very much. And he went, he just paused for a second and he looked at me and he goes, you're welcome. I was like, oh, okay. Thank you. Glad you passed that phase. Yeah. Um, Okay. So children's ministry is a whole other kind of hard thing that Amanda does. So we'll save that for another time. But what is one of your favorite things about children's ministry? Oh, I don't know. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot, you know, that seems crazy about it and a lot of it that makes it worthwhile. But I mean, mostly just anytime you're in there having fun with the kids and as an adult, you still get to participate in kid activities or just cut loose and you see them get excited about things. Um, I love seeing them come in and get excited to see their teachers or hear from parents how much they love coming to Sunday school and things like that. It's probably the, the payoff of it. Yeah. The payoff some, with sometimes with kids is like small. <laughs> it's usually small and the teachers will get discouraged sometimes. And I tell them, cause we expect as adults to see adult results in mm. children. I tell them at the end of the day, do they know Jesus loves them? Do they know we love them? Because if that's it, then you've pretty much done it. That's pretty much what we can do. And we have kids for just a short time once a week. Yeah. So that's the, that's, I mean, that's all humans. I'm thinking about it now. I'm like, we work with youth ministry and it's not any different. We only have them for so long. And then, I mean, people that come to church, they're only there for as many hours a week as they are. Short time. mm -hmm, It's not very long. So this will be an interesting conversation for me because, um, I mean, Amanda and I are friends. We're not best friends, you know, (laughs) like fourth graders are, but we're close enough that She's at my house with a sink full of dishes and dirty gym clothes on. My dirty, I'm wearing the dirty gym clothes, <laughs> not her. So, you know, we're close enough that I don't mind too much. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of transition into some more, you know, intense questions along the lines of what we're guiding our conversation toward today. And just a couple disclaimers for you, the listeners. I've asked Amanda to use her discretion in our conversation, talking more about her husband, Jared, and what his job entails because this is a public conversation and he is in the public 
And so, you know, it's our responsibility to protect him to the extent that he needs to be protected. So if there's details that she can't share, um, she'll say it. And then also some of these questions are kind of pointed because that's how, you know, it's just the reality of living this life. I kind of feel like, and so none of, none of the questions are in the criticism of Jared by any means. I think he's in an, an admirable and noble profession that I think is probably his calling. I mean, I'm sure you probably Definitely. agree with that. <laughs> I don't think you do it without it being like, no. this is your not mission. well, <laughs> no, right. Not well, but at the same time, I, and they're also not to make a man to be like a saint or a martyr in the situation. <laughs> Although sometimes she's probably like, uh, pass me ice cream, you know, something. So when you married Jared, he was already, what was he, what was he doing then? He was already on patrol. He was already a patrolman when we got married. So when we first met, he was working in the jail and then he got his peace officer's license and went to work at the courthouse. And then before we got married, he moved over to the patrol side of things. So gotcha. And so you kind of both knew what y'all were getting you knew a little bit idea what you might be kind of getting into (laughs) I mean especially since he had already been in the military and done two tours I guess he had I think they that a lot of soldiers get an itch for that after maybe not definitely maybe not the risking your life like you just get used to the the demands of the job I think so and maybe the adrenaline and the I think it's really fulfilling to a man in a way that I don't feel like us as women can sometimes relate to. No, or I don't even want to relate to that. <laughs> no. Why would you go out there and do that? Why would you risk your life like that? No. Yeah, I can see that. So y'all, you kind of did have an understanding a little bit of what you're getting into. And then mm-hmm. you were already involved in children's ministry. So he was like, okay, well, I know what she's going to be about right, right here. Yeah. And y'all knew you would have kids. So that kind of had a, a picture, I think, from the beginning a little bit. Of course, all of us, when we get married... So y'all been married for seven years. We always have a picture and then sometimes it looks a little different or just just a little bit or totally. It's it's whatever. So what is his schedule like right now? Cause he's had some different, he's had a few different ones. And, um, the thing about the job is anytime you, I wouldn't just say just promotions, but anytime anything changes in the job, you risk the schedule changing. So that's something I've learned to live with, not to get attached to too many, you know, hopes on schedules. Right now he's on one that I like though. He works 12 hour schedules um, or 12 hour days, I should say. And then it rotates and he works during the day hours. Mm. So he leaves before we wake up, but he's typically home around dinner time if he, if he gets home on time and yeah. doesn't have extra work that day. So, okay. So that's like the, basically the ideal schedule for me. For his it job is. Too. Yeah. yeah. Cause there were times when it's like, well, and how many, how many days of the week does, or of the month or whatever, however it's easiest to see right now. So monthly it would work out. He's on a two week rotation. So monthly it would be about 15 days if he just worked his shift work. Mm. So if we look at it that way, we're like, look at all this time we have. Mm. Um, he's a sergeant. So there's more responsibilities. He's a firearms instructors that adds things. He's on SWAT that adds days. So we've had some months where he works just his schedule and we don't even know what to do with ourselves. Like, <laughs> why are you home so much? <laughs> and we love it, but it's weird. Yeah. And then there are other months where he'll work 26 days straight. Mm-hmm. And you know, the kids start asking me, where's dad? Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Who is this guy? I remember so it's, the, like it's an adjustment. I don't know if it was last year or I mean, it's been sometime relatively recent whenever it was like, 
we were trying to plan for something for church and it was like, well, Jared has two days off this month. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Oh my word. Yeah, it happens. And we joke that if they're before even checking the calendar, he'll ask or I'll ask, you know, am I offered that? And I'm like, probably not. Is it an important family event? Is it an important church event? Is it a holiday? You're probably working. So yeah. That's just how it works. Something so. tells me. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what, just so right now, one of my questions was if that made you a single parent any nights of the week. And right now it's, it's really not too bad. It sounds like. No, right now it's pretty good. He has worked nights before, um, for most of the first part of our marriage. And when our daughter was born, he worked nights for a while. And, um, that was rough because I was also working a full-time job at that point. Mm. And I was still working from home half of the week at the office, the other half. And, um, I, I didn't like that because it was like we were in different time zones. He was asleep while we were awake and then we'd have to swap and, you know, taking care of the baby. That was, that was tricky. Yeah. So. That sounds chaotic for sure. So what kind of calls does he go on at this point? I mean, cause you did say he does SWAT. I've heard him say that mm-hmm. before. What other, what kind of stuff? I mean like his day to day calls mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, you know, it varies. There are some days where, because he's a supervisor on his shift, there are some days where he doesn't get to leave the office. He's doing mm-hmm. paperwork and calls from citizens all day. And then other days he's on the road and it can range from anything small, maybe a minor car accident to something much larger and potentially dangerous, but it really just depends on the day. Yeah. I've heard what, what are the SWAT drills like those for some reason? The Well, I know why those seem the most interesting to me because a couple, I don't know, it might've been last year. I think it's because there was either a soldier or some kind of peace officer that was being driven, that had passed, that was being driven through San Antonio to Mm -hmm. his burial. I don't remember who it was or what, how long ago. I want to say it was about a year ago. And they had in like an honor of him, they had one of the SWAT vehicles and all, well, they had like in our local town, they had like all of the all the vehicles and mm-hmm. which is not that many vehicles because we live in a small suburb but whatever and they were all out there and I was like look at that armored vehicle oh my word yeah that's that's a pretty cool vehicle they like that one <laughs> it makes them feel good <laughs> yeah the kids like that we they've had it out at some events and you know kids get in and think it's the coolest thing ever um I mean, it's an armored vehicle. That's what it's there for. And, and with SWAT calls, they don't know, you know, they know what they're going into. They're well-planned. They're well thought out. But again, they don't, you can only plan for so much. You don't know what's coming on the other side of that door or what situations you're going to face with that. So, so whenever he comes home, does he tell you the, how far does, do they get to the details? That's what I'm curious. If it's like really gory, he'll probably tell me. (laughs) It has a gorometer. If it's really cool, he'll probably tell me. Um, if it's sometimes he's told stories, and I can tell it's just because he just wants to get them off his chest. Maybe they mm. were sad or involved mm-hmm. children, you know. Um, but it's one of those things that it's been our life for so long that I don't know. I'm past the stage of knowing what's normal and what's not until I say it to somebody else, and then I can gauge their reaction. Like, oh, okay, that wasn't. Oh, your husband. That wasn't a normal dinner conversation. Yeah. <laughs> or that wasn't something other families might say in front of their children. And so it's just, we've, we've learned to live with a a different kind of normal for us. So, yeah, it's like, Oh, your husband didn't tell you that he took three children out of a drug infested home today. Yeah. And and he sees things like that. And they, I think those ones probably are his least favorite. So yeah, the stuff with children, anything with children. Yeah. That's, that's always difficult. Yeah. Having kids makes a huge difference when you have to see stuff like that or encounter stuff Mm -hmm. like that or, and especially when he knows he's at the 
I don't want to say the lowest level, but when it comes to things that happen in family courts and laws, he's at the, he's the first step of that. Mm. So he doesn't always get to see what happens past detectives, past court cases, you know, and there are a lot of things that might seem, we might see and be like, you know, save them. And he, his hands are tied. There's only so much he can do. You know, he has to walk away from situations knowing he's not going to see how it follows through or he knows how it's going to go. And there's not much that they can do about it if the courts don't you know, go in their favor and things like that. Yeah. That would be a really challenging part of the, of the situation. It's almost like it's to me, it's similar to being like a counselor when you're like, I'm trying to help you people and talking to someone so all day. You can do. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, it's on them. Yeah. That is tough. That's hard to, to not dwell on and think about. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a reason why men do this job <laughs> a little better than us. Yes. <laughs> So what kind of plans have you made um, in the event that he's injured in action? Well, this this one sounds morbid because I've talked about it. I with, think it's a reality. I, it's so. definitely reality. And I've I've worked with, at my last job, I, one of my coworkers, her husband was also a police officer with my husband. So we were tied in that way. And we would have conversations or say things out loud that our coworkers just thought we were awful for saying, or even joking about we'll make light about things, Mm -hmm. you know, um, we tease that if they don't die on duty, we're going to put them in their uniforms and drive them out there. And it's, it's not funny, but it's just something we joke about. Um, so we, I mean, Jared and I, we probably talk about him dying at least once a month Mm -hmm. and it, it just comes up so casually, like we're driving and it's like, Oh yeah. So when you die or, you know, if this happens to you, because I'm a planner and I feel like the more things I have planned, the less likely something bad is going to happen. I feel like things only happen when you're not prepared. Mm. So we know to the extent when he, um, if he gets a SWAT call out in the middle of the night, typically I will make sure I have clothes. I, I'm like, okay, well, I can't go to the hospital in this or, you know, and I, you know, I know what the protocol, what's not going to happen or who's going to show up so that I know things are real and this is not a joke anymore and things like that. So, I mean, those are just plans we live with, but. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if someone shows up at your door, Will anyone call you if he's, I'm not talking about if he's, if he's killed in action. I mean, if he's injured, he's injured, you know, it depends. Um, when do you know, oh man, this is, this is the worst news that I could have gotten today. Typically, I think that call is going to come from his superiors. Um, he does have a a friend at work who they've made like a, just a casual deal with like, if something happens to me, go get my wife, you know? Mm. So I know that person, I know if he's going to be there or not. Um, there have been instances before I'm connected to a couple different, police wife pages on social media and there have been instances where men were injured or in grave danger potentially dead and the wife found out about it on social media before anybody else so they're really careful about that they're like don't if you hear something don't repeat it like it's kind of like everybody just needs to stand still until the family knows because it it's happened and it's really unfortunate so hopefully it never happens that way but that's the worst things. You know, you that would be the worst way to find out. <laughs> there are there are unfortunate things to find out on social media. That is definitely in like it the top five. It would be really five. bad. Yeah. yeah, that's horrible. So would someone show up at your house? I guess probably. Yeah. I mean, I think in the event of most likely he's dead, then somebody's going to show up. Other than that, I might get a, a phone call and and then I I know that, what that that's not is. a phone call right now. <laughs> He's safe. <laughs> I know exactly what that one is. <laughs> so um, I, mean, I have my own personal plans. I'll think about it, you know, if it's this time of the day, if that's time of the day, yeah. because I'm always trying to make a plan for where the kid's going to be. Right. Like, I'm not going to take them with me, but it's like, you know, 
Yeah. Got to have that stuff in order. Yeah. And that, and it, yeah, that makes sense that it varies depending on the time of the day. If your kids are awake. Cause it'll depend. Yeah, exactly. Cause I mean, the first thing you're going to do is, what do you think the first thing is? Hopefully, I think I have a guess what the first thing hopefully is. Hopefully not panic, but I don't trust myself. And in comparison to Jared, he's so good at like thinking off the cuff, especially mm. in like scary situations. He's calm. He knows what to do. I feel like I'm going to like run a frantic circle at <laughs> least for a minute before I'm like, get it together. Um, you know, I would probably call my sister or my mom first, mm-hmm. but, um, that's what really, my guess was going to be. Yeah. Call your mom probably. Yeah. I mean, and they're all really close. They're close by, you know, someone's got to come get the kids. I got to get to places and I don't know how to find any place. So <laughs> driving around looking for hospitals. I don't know. Yeah. And they're, they know you well enough to help you get on the right page or right. get it together for enough to get yourself where you need to go or, mm-hmm. you know whatever the next step is, your mom's going to be like, oh, or Ashley wanted to do is going to be like, okay, look, <laughs> this is what you do next. And you're going to be like, okay, exactly. <laughs> Cause you, you want to think that you're going to have it all together and think clearly, but I don't, I don't know in that type of situation. Yeah. There's no telling. There's no telling. Um, so how do you kind of cope with those feelings knowing that that's a, that's a reality? Or what is, how does it, how does that make you feel? <laughs> so many feelings all the time. <laughs> you know, it's different. Um, when we first got married, I felt so confident going into it. I was raised military my entire life. You know, I was used to living on weird schedules and dad being gone, things like that. So I thought I can do this. And suddenly being the one who has to be the adult in the situation, it, it feels different. And when we first got married, um, it would keep me up at night. Like, he would be gone. He wouldn't text back in the amount of time I thought he should. Like, he's dead somewhere. <laughs> and I would just, like, it would eat away. I mean, I would wake my mom up at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning oh, sometimes. No. And she would be like, you need to calm down, you know. And this is before um, you had your kids to make you exhausted. This was before kids. Exactly. <laughs> I had time to be worried. <laughs> and he would, he was just so nonchalant about it. Um, his his personality is like, oh, are you going to pray about it? Yes. Then why are you going to waste time worrying about it? <laughs> and for me, it's so much easier said than actually done because I'm a worrier like even during the day not just related to him but during I have to have like these talks myself all the time like God you got to help me like I told you I trusted you with it and then I took it back four times so for me it's it's something like that um it really would especially the SWAT calls at nighttime it's everything seems scarier when it's you know two o'clock in the morning and you don't know where he is. But I, then I had the kids and I had to put the energy into them. Like you said, they leave you completely tired. <laughs> and then I had to think, okay, I don't have time to fall apart. It's like, I have to take care of them. I'm completely in charge of them. But it really, as morbid as it sounds, it really boils down to a thing between us where if this is your time to go, then it's your time to go. There's mm-hmm. nothing we can do about it. No amount of worrying, no amount of losing sleep. Um, and if he's gone and I worry, oh, what if he doesn't come home from this call? I try to make myself go to sleep and I hate to say it, but I'm like, this might be the last night I sleep for a while. So I might as well get my rest now. And then, you know, of course he always tags or calls and I'm like, okay, now I can sleep for real. Yeah. But it's just kind of a having to give up that control. I have to give it up. And that's the only way I've been able to cope with it really. Yeah. Control is the, I think the big word there, you, whenever you said, um, about, you know, you might as well go to sleep. Basically, I think your sister and I have had a conversation before about like, we've all had all three of us have had kids in the same time frame. Each of us have a boy that were born within six months of each Mm -hmm. other too. So that's chaotic. But anyway, (laughs) sorry for our Sunday school teachers. (laughs) Um, But I remember having a conversation with her about like, Oh, the baby hasn't moved in a while. 
it's like early in the morning. You're like, maybe I should go in there and check. It's like, or maybe I should just drink my coffee first because I'm sure yeah, I'm going to need it. you know it's going to be bad. You've got to deal with it. There's nothing I can do that's going to change it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I might as well sleep. Might as well go on. And if someone shows up at the door, then it's go time. But other than that, I'm like, I have to function. I have to keep myself because it would like eat me alive. And I would, I remember being so desperate at one time. They had a, a SWAT call and it went hours past what it was supposed to have gone to. And I remember looking online, there are people who, um, create social media pages just to follow whatever the cops are doing, whether it's for good or bad, they're just there. They're in everybody's business. And I remember looking for their police scanners cause they have them online. I'm like, someone's gotta be like streaming this right now. Like I, I need to get in that police scanner right now. <laughs> it's, it's gotten pretty ugly. That was not my best time. Yeah, I bet. So you guys have two kids and I know they're young, but do they have any concept of any of the risk with Jared's job? They really don't. And I'm happy about that right now. Um, you know, the, the climate out there for police officers and peace officers, I should say as a general term really isn't the best in all areas. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's certainly not what it was when I was a kid. Um, it's a little bit different now. And so he deals with things and my children may deal with them from other children's parents perspectives and things like that so I'm kind of glad they don't really know um they just know you know Mila will say daddy goes to work and catches bad guys and it doesn't seem to scare her so she's okay and and she was watching a little cartoon the other day a movie and it was dogs it was the worst thing ever and (laughs) and it was these dogs and they were it was the crook dogs working with the police dogs to be bad and steal a show or something and so the police dogs were supposed to be good like in a kid's eyes and they were like crooked cops pretty much and that just that really hurt her feelings she was just like why are those police dogs so bad and they're supposed to be good I don't like that so that's probably the closest we've come to her realizing anything on the not shiny rainbow side of what she sees in her dad's job Mm. so you know so I'm I'm not looking forward to the time where they realize oh dad's not home or you know, dad's late. Where is he? I'm not, you know, and I, I can't feed into that. So I have to get that in check with myself as well. Yeah. I, I'm wondering what age they notice that kind of stuff and how, I mean, how you address it. Know. Mila's pretty perceptive as a, I mean, four-year-old and being a girl and not, not to be stereotypical, but sometimes. Oh yeah. She's in everyone's business. So <laughs> she, she knows what's up. She's, she is paying attention she right really now. She really is. Yeah. So I don't know if you've, I know you say you like to plan. So have you given any thought to what? I haven't gotten that far yet with it's any probably of it good. because I mean, that's so far out of my control as well. It's going to mm. be whatever questions they have or whatever fears they have on their own. I'd like them to come up with them on their own. Not like they hear me say something and now they're afraid of something they weren't afraid of before. So yeah, that's good. I don't think a lot of moms think about that ahead of time, you know, they may be like, okay, one day a bad guy may do something. And it's like, well, if you, if you wouldn't have told them that they would have no concept. Right. That it's that's kind of like, reality. we'll deal with it if it comes up in their conversation or if it happens. And for them right now, their life is pretty normal. Mm-hmm. He's, I mean, when he's home, he's home for dinner. He's there most nights to put them into bed. Um, so they don't really notice anything, you know, that it's could be not. potentially dangerous. Yeah, nothing that would make them feel like, why isn't dad here? She is starting to get upset when he's not there for special events. Um, even the Sunday fun day at church, she was really upset that he wasn't there. Or if she's doing something like her memory verse and dad's not there to see her. And she's starting to get onto that. But I mean, plenty of kids deal with that. With oh, yeah. parents not being able to be at things because of their jobs. So she's, she's definitely not alone in that. Yeah, Maybe not doing as admirable 
work. No offense to anyone else that has to work a lot, but you know, it is kind of a, di- a definitely a different, it's an uncommon, you know, uncommon kind of thing. So you did mention too, that your dad was in the military. I mean, he was in for a long time. Mm-hmm. How long? I mean, you know, how long? forever, um, your whole life? forever, my whole life. So I, you know, I should know this. I don't, <laughs> sorry, dad, if you're listening, <laughs> um, Love you, dad. Sorry, dad. somewhere between I, you know, I'm not even going to guess. So I was 21 when he got out Okay. and he was in before that. So, oh, wow. So literally a lifetime. probably like 25 years. I don't know something, yeah. but my entire life, I didn't know anything different until we got out. So what are some things, and you kind of briefly touched on it earlier, but some things that you feel like helped equip you with having been a military? Cause I don't really know. I mean, we just know that military and then also different kinds of peace officers and, uh, you know, police officers, they're both service and serving mm-hmm. our country, serving your community. But beyond that, I don't really know the similarities or what do you feel like equipped you as a military My kid? biggest thing would be, was military kid, we moved all the time. Thankfully, we don't do that on his job. Not saying we couldn't, but it's not in the, mm-hmm. you know, the given. And everyone's military experience will be different depending on what their parents were doing. But my biggest thing was... Um, just not expecting him to be there all the time. Mm. Like just, I watched my mom do everything by herself. So I got married and thought I had to do everything by myself. And then I found out my husband was going to be there and he was going to be able to help me with things. And that was hard. Like, I guess you can do that. Like, take that (laughs) off my plate. Um, That and then just, you know, there's a, we joke that Jared is married to his job. I joke it's our it's the third spouse because when it calls, there's no telling it. No, there's not. There have been very few occasions where he's been able to say no or just turn the phone off and be away from it. Usually if we've like left the state, that pretty much will be, you know, let's leave the country. Let's leave the state. Then nobody can call you into work. Wow. Um, yeah. But that's one thing that growing up with my dad too, the job was really important and it was there and there wasn't saying no to it. So I felt like I was glad to have that experience because I may have been really frustrated going into that if I hadn't seen that before. Yeah, for sure. I'm sh- I'm sure you can look at the experience that your mom had too as for some kind of pointers on coping and how to deal with stuff. Yeah, and coping is you have five seconds to cry about it and <laughs> no feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta be a big girl, move on. <laughs> that's I, That's the coping, that's it. It's mm. like... There's no, somebody has to do it. Yeah. So I don't think a lot of, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm not being fair, but I was going to say, I don't know that a lot of girls in our age range are like on board for that. Like, all right, get over yourself and let's move on. Yeah. And I don't want to, <laughs> I would love to have somebody feel sorry for me. <laughs> Anybody feel sorry for a man to just give us you know, a thumbs it's up. It's different and it is different because I am, I mean, we are like, 10 minutes down the road from my mom, five minutes from his mom. I mean, I've got things that a lot of people don't have. I have people helping me. And it, to me, it's different. My mom will help, and I'll still get frustrated. And she's like, I'm helping. I'm like, I know. I want my husband to be here. Mm. I want the person who made these children to be here and help with them. Because there's only a certain, you know, there are things that your dad puts into your life that only a dad can put into your life. Mm-hmm. And no matter what I do, it's still not going to be, I, I can play both roles, but I'm not accurately going to do both of them. Yeah. That's a great point that I hadn't thought about, about that before. And you are definitely blessed with, thankfully your family is super involved. They're not just like, I see your kids there. (laughs) There's (laughs) between, between you and your sister, there's like a whole 
little passel of kids there. there there's so. a whole brood of them. Yeah. <laughs> and they're real and quiet. They're all loud. <laughs> <laughs> Every single one, just so docile and sweet and quiet. Oh, that may or may not be true. So I actually, um, you know, did a little stalking on the Facebooks and uh, saw a quote on Jared's Facebook that I thought was really interesting. And not something that he said, don't panic. I'm like, <laughs> don't panic oh, no. too. <laughs> you can't repeat Jared. I will say the Cannot funniest. Cannot be quoted. <laughs> can't be quoted. That's why Amanda's on the show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Jared cannot be trusted. I did think the funniest part of his like Facebook profile was that it said uh, how to pronounce his name. And it says, awesome and you know it. <laughs> Yeah, he's proud of himself. (laughs) That's Jared. Um, But the quote says, To every man there comes in his lifetime that special moment when he's figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered a chance to do a very special thing, unique to him and fitted to his talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds him unprepared or unqualified for for that which would be his finest hour. And it's a Winston Churchill. Seems like the right person to say Mm -hmm. that, right? So how have you seen him prepare for the position that he's in or that he has he's one of those odd people who and maybe other people are like this I don't know I'm not he's one of these people who I think he was like four years old he met a police officer who was nice to him and said I want to do that and literally put his life on track to do it like he didn't want to go to college so he joined the military instead he knew there were two routes to get there Mm. um, which it got him anyways because he went back to college as an adult (laughs) gotcha um, but and the two routes are what, like police academy or military? go through military or go okay. through college. So okay. he knew what he wanted to do and he did it. So he's just, I don't believe he was born an old man. He believes <laughs> he was, <laughs> but he was just focused on what he wanted to do and he did it. And so I feel like his whole life has just been, and when, when I see how he is with his work and all of that, um, I do believe it's his calling and in a different way. He's ministered to people on the job. He's, you know, he's prayed for people. He's dealt with spirits and things like that at the, at the job. And so I'm like, I feel like he was born to do it. I can't picture him doing anything else. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he'd be great at it. I think he can do anything, but, um, I see that and I'm like, yeah, that's who you are. It makes yeah. sense. That the shoe is it. so fits. Right yeah, it, it really does. So, yeah. And outside of your, uh, like we did talk about your dad being military, but, um, how have you prepared, do you think? Uh, I just wing it and make it up <laughs> as I go. <laughs> that's been my whole life. <laughs> hey, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. So a lot of, uh, I mean, the Bible does say to be instant in season and out of season. It does, so you know. Just be like, just living that biblical mandate. Don't. Just following Jesus wherever he calls me. <laughs> Don't mind me. <laughs> so uh, a lot of wives like to watch their husband, you know, thrive kind of like in their element type thing which you definitely just described Mm -hmm. that's that's what this is for uh for Jared so whether it's like a ministry role or or a profession like he has or some kind of combination so what do you love or appreciate about appreciate about Jared in these roles or what's what gives you the warm and fuzzies about it well the uniform (laughs) (laughs) um I mean it's cute um okay just a little bit of the uniform (laughs) <laughs> that threw me off. Um, Y'all did do pictures like at your wedding, right? And was he in uniform at the wedding, or do you did do some pictures? Have you done pictures in any of his uniform? Mm-mm. He had one with Mila. Oh, okay, maybe don't that's tell Lincoln. <laughs> maybe that's what I'm. We'll thinking get of around it. to it one day. Um, It'll be twelve, but it's whatever. I, you know, he's he's good at it. A lot of the skills that he that make him good at his job also make him 
good as the leader of our family. You know, he's really, he's level-headed. He mm. takes a lot to get him riled up. Um, it doesn't take me much. So I do appreciate that balance. He, he brings a lot of balance to that. Um, but just, you know, seeing him, him do it, he, he likes to, I'm, I don't want to say be in that authoritative role, but he's good at it. Mm-hmm. He's not scared of confrontation. He knows when he's in charge of something. He and there's no, there's no questioning. He's not thinking, does you know, does everyone like this? Do they like mm. me? He doesn't care. He's just gonna do his job and he's gonna do it well. And and I, I like that he takes pride in it because there are people in the profession who mess up and make mistakes and you know go off their emotions, go off their feelings, and you you can't do it. It just it's not the the job doesn't really offer the room to do that, and so um, he's got a really good grasp on that, which I like to see. Yeah, for sure. When you're dealing with so many other people in volatile situations, with weapons and all kinds of other yeah emotions around, and I appreciate that we're not on the news for like embarrassing stuff. <laughs> I mean, it happens. I see some police families, and I just feel you know you feel bad for the police officer because they're the ones out there, but I'm like they're poor family like. Mm-hmm. It's got to be embarrassing. Yeah. But. I'm trying to think of an equivalent role. It's like, oh, that does sound a little bit like ministry there when your spouse does something embarrassing. It, like, you know, it's the same Jesus. because everybody's watching you and that's what yeah. you feel like equivalent to ministry. Everyone's watching you and everyone holds you to a higher standard. So even if you're human and you mess up, people forget that. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen that happen to good police officers, whether or not, you know, and I'm not talking about the ones who end up being in the news for things that they did not do wrong. I'm speaking of the, you know, the few things I've seen where you're like, Oh, you shouldn't have done that. And they're probably kicking themselves for doing it. But, um, it's the, I feel like it's the same in ministry. People think that you're perfect and you're definitely not. So it's like, it's hard to hold that up. You want to be like, Hey, I'm a person too. I have feelings, but yeah, people forget that. And they definitely forget that in his job. It's like, you know, he gets told that, you know, I pay your salary and, oh boy. you know, things like that. Yeah. Like he's not a person, like he doesn't, you know, deserve respect that you would give any other person that you meet on the street. So it's difficult, but that is a challenge. That's a, some really interesting stuff I would not have thought about, but I sound, what I've come away with the answer to the question is his level headedness is awesome. It, yeah. That's probably my favorite. <laughs> Of all the things I love most about you. Keeps all of us grounded. (laughs) You keep my crazy under control. He does. (laughs) So as we kind of wrap up here, thank you for playing the sporting role to someone that keeps the rest of us alive and our community safe and serves our country. So your sacrifice doesn't go unnoticed because I know it's a big deal for you. And as your kids age, you know, it'll be a bigger deal to them, Mm -hmm. um, to our military wives and our peace officer wives. We appreciate the the support that y'all offer. And thanks for living an uncommon life because, you know, being brave enough to do children's ministry is one thing. (laughs) Those little people are just, you never know. But to uh, choose a path that most wives don't really want to travel, I had definitely on my list of things, um, preferences for marrying someone was not military. So that would probably (laughs) say probably not going to be a police officer too. So it's definitely a brave, um, brave role to walk into as a wife. Anything else you want to add today? I think that's it. That's all good. Okay. So for the listeners, we hope this has been encouraging to you today. Um, if you want to reach out to Amanda in any way, uh, you can contact us through our social media for the uncommon people podcast. Um, Amanda's definitely not a social media personality. (laughs) She's happy to, you know, communicate with any other wives or anyone that, you know, needs support in this area. She's a good resource for that. 
And um, do you have any any other resources that you would like to recommend? The biggest resource I probably use right now is our local police wife page, and mm. it's it's closed into only the surrounding areas and counties, so it's it's closer proximity. But other than that, um, it probably just varies on where you are in the your different type stuff. of community needs. Yeah. yeah. So if you are, I mean, I'm sure most wives of whatever kind of officer, they're definitely. Hopefully, if you're in that role, listener, seek some support if you haven't already, mm-hmm. um, because I think whatever our spouse, our spouse does for a job, or if we're involved in something that seek, you know, you encounter any kind of challenges, whether it's ministry or whatever the case may be, find support for what oh, you're definitely. dealing with. The same thing with you know children's ministry or or music ministry and youth ministry. Like I think I'm not a huge fan of lots of social media. But those groups create, you know, kind of support that they can. And it's nice to know when you're in a certain area of life when, you know, you think something's weird and you have a bunch of other people going, no, that's normal. (laughs) You're like, oh, okay. It's not the end of the world. talked about dying again at dinner. Is that normal? (laughs) It's nice. It's nice to have that. If if nothing else, just to know that you're not doing something by yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. That is reassuring. So the only um, other recommendation that I was going to make, and this is obviously not specific to... Um, like Amanda's lifestyle that, that she lives, but a book that I recently read, it's by Elizabeth Elliot, by the way, I'm a big fan. So if anybody wants to read anything by her, I recommend a lot. Um, she was a missionary's wife and the book, one of this, it's a book that most has come out more recently. Um, after she passed, a bunch of her writings have been published. And I think this was actually from a speaking event and it's called suffering is never for nothing. And so not that Amanda spends her whole life <laughs> suffering or anything, no. but, um, you know, a lot of times we encounter situations or we're going through, I think Amanda has learned to cope graciously with this being her life. And a lot of times I think you put different personalities or someone else that's not relying on God as much as maybe they should in this kind of situation. And they're going to view it as suffering and Mm -hmm. pain and heartache and stress constantly and worry without relief. And so just want to recommend that book as just kind of a, um, an option for anybody. Honestly, I would say everybody should read that book, especially women. Um, Elizabeth Elliot's husband was killed by a tribe that they were missionaries to in Ecuador and she returned and ministered in the tribe after, I mean, a savage tribe. They didn't even have, they didn't have a written language or anything and returned and two out of the, I don't remember how many men attacked the five missionaries that her husband, the group that they were a part of, but two of them became Christians after the fact because she was ministering to their tribe. So really, and then her second husband died of cancer. So she knows a little bit about suffering. Um, so, it, but it, you walk away from it really encouraged, but the overarching, overarching, whatever the word is there, um, theme is a lot of what Amanda said, that God is in control mm-hmm. and that he's sovereign and he's faithful and he's good no matter what life looks like and no matter what we have to say about it. So we thank y'all for listening um, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you, Amanda, for being on the show. Thank you for having me.